we welcome you here this morning. If you wonder what that sound you just heard was, that's a shofar, that's a ram's horn. And uh, in this biblical time, we're in a biblical calendar. We believe for, for 40 days, we're to blow a shofar, which is a wake-up call that God is issuing out to us during this time of year. Every year saying, return unto me, I will return unto you. And so this is a time that we've given ourselves over the 40 days of Elul all the way to the Day of Atonement that we are drawing near the Lord. And so we're excited that you're here today and we believe something's gonna happen that's gonna help you draw near to God. Amen? Let's give our, do our given declaration, then we'll greet each other. On the count of three, one, two, three. In worship, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, knowing every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Therefore, we joyfully and cheerfully bring our tithes and offerings as an act of worship, in great expectation that His mercy, grace, and blessings will be poured out upon our lives. We declare the heavens are opened over us, God's provision surrounds us, and His awesome power sustains us. We boldly declare that we do not lack, we will walk in the abundance of the Lord and see all His promises fulfilled in our lives. Hallelujah and amen. I believe that, don't you? Before you sit down today, won't you greet four or five people, pass the peace, give somebody a big hug and squeeze, tell them you're so glad they're out to worship with us today. Wow, wasn't that amazing worship? Can you feel the Spirit of God? Uh, we do exalt the Lord today, and I think about that song so well. Wow, what lyrics. Well, today, uh, special guest Doc Henley is here. Uh, be ready to be transformed by a powerful testimony of a man that's touched the world bringing clean water and how you can be a part of that. And right now, if you want to get involved in giving to the ministries of Word Alive, make sure you hit that donate button. We'll be right back with you as we bring the Word of God live right here at Word Alive International Outreach. Thank you. A lot of great things happening around here at Word Alive, and we're so glad that you're out and a part of it today. And uh, had a great weekend food distribution happening yesterday. Uh, we're training and preparing for uh, some of our team to uh, help chaplain the sheriff's department, and we're so happy. Sheriff Wade, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm so glad you're here, and we love you so much. This is Sheriff Wade, Sheriff of Calhoun County. We sure appreciate him and his heart for our county. We love you and thank God for you and all you do to help us and protect us and serve our community. We appreciate you around here. Thank you so, so much. And it's an honor for us to partner with Sheriff Wade to chaplain the Sheriff's Department. He has 150 employees. And uh, so we're, we're endeavoring to help serve them as they serve us. And we thank God for all of our sheriff's deputies and all they do. Can we give all of our deputies a big hand and just thank God for all of our sheriff's deputies here in Calhoun County. I want to share uh, uh, one more thing with you before I get Doc up here. Or a couple more things. One, we got a conference coming up, our Tabernacles Gathering. September, I think, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, Isaac Petrie, Chuck Pierce, and myself. We can't wait. It's going to be a blast. And then on Sunday's family day, we'll be praying for all of our families to be blessed going into the new year. And then we're going to have a blowout of fun with all kind of stuff for kids and youth and music and entertainment and food. And so get ready for Tabernacles. It's going to be a really, really fun gathering. You know, we've been talking about Ecclesia. Uh, and uh, hopefully you've heard that word lately when we listen, what does the church really mean? What does that word church mean, ecclesia? And we've understood that ecclesia is not necessarily a building where people gather, but it's where people become the church. And they're the church right there where they are. Uh, you may not know this, but um, 
There's a young man and his wife named John and Lib down in uh, Panama City Beach, Florida. And they came up for one of our conferences a while back, and the Lord really touched them. He owns a surf shop on Panama City Beach, and he's gone back and turned his surf shop into ministry headquarters there. And so right on Panama City Beach, they have massive concerts uh, during spring break, preaching the good news of the gospel. People are daily receiving ministry in his surf shop. Uh, and he sent me a text, and it was just too good. I just thought I'd share it with him. I asked his permission, and he said, that's fine. It's, let me see. He says, good, good afternoon, Pastor Kent. Hope all is well with you and your family. I pray for you and Bev daily. This is John, by the way, down in Panama City Beach. Just wanted to check in and let you know what my wife and I, that we follow and attend Word Alive every Sunday. Send our tithes and offerings uh, your way. We really appreciate you and your church. Things here at the surf shop are going well, and much kingdom work. Is being accomplished. Yesterday, my wife and I put together a team and went to our local high school and served and ministered to 300 students and teachers. We also met the principal last week and ministered to him as well. He was kind of brought up in the box of religion. When I prayed over him and anointed him with oil, he got hit by the Spirit and started speaking in tongues. <laughs> he definitely wasn't expecting that, and neither was I. We were blown away. It was awesome. Today at the shop, I had a family come in. They had a 10-year-old son who had a sensor attached to his arm because he had diabetes. I ministered to the family, asked if I could anoint and pray for their son to be healed, named Jackson. As I prayed and lay hands on him, he was, got full of the Spirit, began to cry out. There was a tingling running down his body and to his toes. His toes were getting hot. It was amazing. He started to weep. I comforted him, told him, don't be afraid. It's the Holy Spirit. He believed it. His parents just stood there and watched and amazed, to say the least, at how the Holy Spirit was healing their son. These are just a few of the divine appointments that are happening daily here at PCB. Living a spirit-filled life. Just wanted to drop you a note. Hopefully we'll be there for Tabernacles Conference. So big shout out to Panama City Beach and John and his wife. Somebody say let the church be the church. It's happening. And uh, so we realize that God is doing church differently today. It's happening in our sheriff's department. It's happening in the Panama City Beach. It's happening in high school. It, the Lord is moving all over, and I believe we're headed for one of the greatest harvests we've ever seen for the kingdom of God. I'm delighted today that Doc Henley's here with us from Wind to Water. He doesn't need an introduction, but I want to give him one anyway. Uh, he was 2010 CNN hero, and uh, because of his endeavors of following the Lord's voice, now millions of people are drinking clean water around the world because of Wine to Water. We're partnering with them to, to do our small part into what we can do to see them and see their f mission fulfilled. But he had a shift in his ministry for a long time. He focused on the water, which they're still doing and doing a great job, and to the corporate world and the corporate world helping him get filters and stuff available. And then he had a lot of public speaking to the corporate world because of his uh, notoriety as being a CNN hero. But he really felt a burden come upon him for the church. And honestly, uh, because of wine to water, the wine aspect of things, a lot of churches actually weren't ready to receive Doc's message. But Doc has a word for the church. And I believe God's raised him up to help awakening the awaken the church to our purpose and our destiny and what God's calling us to do. And uh, I am so, so excited that Doc would take the time out. He's all over the world. He leaves here today going to Dominican Republic. Is there, it's where their headquarters is, where they make water filters there, manufacture them to make clean water available. But God's not only using him around the world to make clean water available, but now I believe God is going to use him to help stir the church for us to walk in our purpose and our destiny like never before. So would you put your hands together and welcome Doc Henley as he comes to share with us today.
Come on. I can't, I can't thank you all enough for, for having us back here. This has kind of become like a family to me uh, to, to be here with you all. Um, I sent a video a few years ago um, to you all. I don't know how many of you were able to see it, so I wanted to tell you in person that being in this place, about maybe it was about uh, four years ago, I heard Pastor Kent talk about baptism and the importance of it and how that can unlock the ability for the, for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And, and um, I was baptized when I was younger, and I don't really remember. I, was, I don't remember much about it. And I had this, this weight, this burden on me. And so uh, I told our, our CEO of Wine to Water and another great friend of mine, Josh Elliott, about it. And all three of us decided we were kind of in the same boat, that we were ready to to open ourselves up for whatever God had for us. And, and so because of Pastor Kent's teaching, uh, all three of us together went down to a, a river outside of Boone called the New River and were baptized together. And, and since then, I, Pastor Kent's right. There's been some things that have been happening to me I, I can't really understand or explain. I've been waking up in the middle of the night with thoughts and dreams and ideas that I, I can't go back to sleep. And so I've been trying to remember them and write some of them down, and I figured today, instead of just telling my story over again, a lot of you know my story uh, with Wine to Water, and if you don't, it's pretty easy to find online. And instead of just telling you my story again, I, I figured I'd try to share with you some of the things that have been happening to me since that, since that baptism. Um, and I want to start out with one story that I, I don't really know why I had this vision of this dream, but um, I just, I hadn't thought about it actually in a long time, and Pastor Kit and I were in this back office just talking, and I remembered it. So I had this idea to do something on this whiteboard, and I'll do it in a minute, but I wanted to share with you a dream that I had that happened before this. Um, I was sleeping one night, and I had this vivid dream that I, I didn't even know I was sleeping. And, and, uh, and so I, at the beginning of the dream, I'm being led to a race car. And as you guys know, you can probably see I love to ride motorcycles. I, I love to ride them a little bit faster than I'm supposed to. I'm always one ticket away from losing my license. Um, but I was led to this race car, you know, this rally car, and there was this, this dirt road in front of me going, tearing through the mountains. And basically the premise was I was being told, get in this race car, drive as fast as you can and get to the finish line. And your whole goal is to get to log the fastest time of anybody. So I get in this race car, I put on my seatbelt, my helmet. I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I put it in gear. I hit the gas and I'm tearing around those corners. I'm tearing around the mountain corners and almost going off a ledge and I'm going back and forth and I'm, I'm having the awesomest time of my life. And I look down kind of a little ways in a little bit of a valley below and there's another race going on. And I, I couldn't help but stop. I'm slowing down and I see this other race going on. I'm confused and I'm like, well, maybe I'm on the wrong track. I'm not on the right road. And I started getting terrified. Maybe I, my time's gonna be all messed up now because I didn't, take the right path. And so I stopped the car. I walked down the hill and saw there was another race going on. And there were people lined up getting ready to get in their race car. And they're being told the same thing and they're excited and they're hitting the gas. And as they tear around the very first corner, there was all these cameras and, and video cameras and pictures and people with cell phones snapping shots of them. They were excited just like I was. And then they stop them. And there's this little finish line, this big, beautiful building and this bright place. And the people were confused. I thought I was in a race. And they get out of the car and they say, oh, well, you were and you did great. And here's your picture to prove that you were in a race. Now, come on, let's get in a group together. We got some speakers to come and talk to you and make you feel good. 
and everybody got their picture, and they walked in, and there's thousands of people sitting there, and they're just defeated. They thought they were in a race, and their heads were hung down. And I remember just kind of walking amongst the people, looking back up at the road up there and looking here and being confused and angry. And then this, this person comes up front and says, why are you guys so down? Why aren't, why aren't you more excited? You were in a race and you've got your picture to prove it. Now you can put it on Facebook and online so everybody can see it. And they were all had their heads hung down and I stood up. I was so mad and I, I just said, I, they're angry. They're mad. They're upset because you made them believe they were in a race and all you're wanting to do is usher them in this building and just talk to them all day long. All you're wanting to do is just try to make them feel good and try to make them prove that they were in a building. But they actually thought that they were going to get to be in that race. And then the dream was over. I don't know really what it means. I don't have much of an idea, much of, much of a concept. But I think there's something inside of us that wants to race. Pastor Kent told me in the back office that about reminded me about Paul and how he talked about living our faith like we're in a race and try to win. I don't know if that means we all get to win or not, but try run it like you want to win. Run it like you've got nothing else to lose. Don't let anything stop you and slow you down and make you think, oh, you're good. Now you can just rest, sit over here. I think that's how we're supposed to live our lives. And not long after that, I, I had another dream and I was confused. I, I've, I've fallen in love with this, this book over the last 15, 20 years or so. And it's, it's, it's something that gets me through. And I was pouring over it one night. And I, I feel like the more I read, the, instead of the more answers I've got, the more questions I have. And this one night, I was just confused. And I had so many questions. I couldn't sleep. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't move forward. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand why Paul says this or I just couldn't figure it out. I hit a block and I felt like God was trying to show me something this night, which is what I wanted to share with you this morning. I feel like he was trying to say, you know, I write words on your heart that cannot be expressed in, in just writing on a board or writing on a piece of paper or even spoken and I'm kind of confused, and, and I think he helped me with an analogy. So I want to try to do the same analogy that happened to me in the middle of the night that helped me understand. I started to do a little research and digging, and I want to, I want to paint a picture for you. If I were to write this right here, this line, you may look at it and think, all right, maybe that represents I, me, or maybe it represents a number. I'm trying to paint a picture for you and make you see something. So if I were to go say, all right, I want you to understand something. So I'm going to try to write it so you can understand it. All right, I'm going to write one of these guys here. Like, all right, so now you're like, it's probably, it's probably a number. And then if I were to do this, all right, yeah, it's definitely a number. If I were to do this here, yep. If I were to do this here, let's see. And go right here. I think that's right. There's a million, billion, trillion. You wouldn't have really any idea of what I was trying to paint a picture of except for this huge number, 10 trillion. Words, numbers, speakings, writings, they are meaningless, meaningless without something tangible that, for them to represent. 
without something solid for them to represent. You would have no idea. Maybe it's grains of sand, so maybe it's a couple sandboxes. What if I were to tell you this number doesn't represent sand, but it represents a volume of water? What if I were to tell you that this represents a number of gallons of water? Would you have a little bit better picture of what I'm trying to explain to you? What if I told you that this is the same number of gallons of water that it takes to go over the Niagara Falls in about a five to six month period? Some of you would have a bit of different picture of what I'm trying to paint for you. Some of you have been to Niagara Falls and you felt it. And in order to get a better picture, you maybe would have to go if you haven't been to see and feel like when you're next to Niagara Falls, you can feel it. There's vibrations in the earth because there's so much water that pounds into the ground. You can feel it inside. And if you really wanted to go a step further and be crazy, you can put yourself in a barrel and go over it to see what it's really like. If you really want to get that vision, if you really wanted to understand the picture I'm painting for you, you'd go right into it. I'm going to tell you another number. Same, same one here or another picture. Same amount of gallons of water, but what if I told you that's the same amount of gallons of water that fell out of the sky when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston last year? It takes six months for that amount of water to fall over the Niagara Falls, and we're awestruck. And we have this beautiful picture in our head, but that same amount of water fell over the Houston area in about a week's time and created mass devastation. People lost their life. Families lost loved ones. Parents lost kids. But you wouldn't really have an understanding of what I'm trying to paint to you unless maybe you were there. And you still wouldn't have an understanding of what it was like unless maybe you were that, that mother that never got to kiss their baby good, good night again. Numbers, words, they're meaningless without something tangible behind them. So I'm going to do the same thing again. I'm going to do one, one more. I write the same thing there. Starts out just like the other one. But what if I were to go here and do that? What do you feel like when you see that word? In, in, in the U.S., we actually use it for a lot of things. I got a buddy of mine in Nepal who says, you know, it's kind of funny. You Americans are kind of crazy. You, you use this word for everything. You say, I love my breakfast this morning. I love my coffee. You know, I, I love the mountains. And then you say you love your family and your children. You know, it's, I don't understand it. He still doesn't understand it. It's because this word really is meaningless. It is meaningless unless there's some action behind it. Unless there's something tangible behind it, the word means nothing. So yes, I can say I, I love beer. I do. I like a good cold beer. Okay. But for me, what matters is the action behind that. So I love my daughter, my three-year-old. One of my favorite things in the world is to sit with her in the rocking chair at night and rock her to sleep. And I'll tell you right now, and I know every parent in here would do this without a second guess, that if there was an opportunity for you to trade your life for your child's, that they maybe were going to lose theirs, and somehow somebody said, I'll let you trade, and you can die today so that your daughter or your spouse could live, not one in this room, I don't think, would say, nah, I think I'll keep mine. Every one of us would be willing to give our own life for the life of our child or our loved ones. 
That is love, I believe. I don't think I would give my life for a cold beer. My, my wife may would argue differently. <laughs> it's not the word that matters. It's what's tangible. It's the action that matters. The last thing I want to paint on the wall is not a number or letter at all. What if I were to tell you that this here is where we are, right in this building, And that right there, I've gone and buried a treasure. Because, you know, maybe last week I had a family member that was worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they gave it all to me. And so I decided I wanted to bless somebody in this audience today. So I brought a million of it and I buried it over here. And here's a map that I'm drawing, try to paint you a picture and each one of these lines represents about five feet. And what if I were to tell you guys that if you follow that map and get there, the first one in this audience to dig it up, you can have it. Million dollars. You can do whatever you want. You can give it out to the church. You can keep it. You can do whatever you want. And if I was explicit and told you the distance and said, and you really believed me, you really believed that what I was saying is true, I don't think anybody in this room would be still sitting in their seat. If you really believe me that I buried a million dollars and said that whoever finds it first could have it, every one of you would run out of your seat and you'd go find it. Your belief would be proven by your actions. If you didn't believe me, you would stay in the seat. Words, letters, Writings, speaking, it's all the same. It means nothing without action. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's why I love the book of James, and I love it and hate it all at the same time because it, it shines a light on the things I don't do well. James says, talk all you want about your faith. Talk about it all you want. It's meaningless without doing something. And the works that he talks about specifically is helping the orphans and the widows, taking care of the poor, doing those things. All my life growing up, I heard a simple Bible verse that you see all over billboards, and I believe it to be true. John 3, 16, we all know it. All you have to do is believe, and you'll have everlasting life. A sentence that was pulled out of something that Jesus said. I, I believe that, but I think it didn't tell the whole story. I think we pull it out sometimes and just take that. There's also another thing that Jesus said that paints this picture perfectly. He says, on that day, on the very end, he's going to bring everyone to himself, and he's going to divide the people. He's going to divide. His, there's going to be the sheep over here, and there's going to be the goats over here. And he's going to tell the sheep, I want you to come with me. I want you to be with me. I want you to be with me and my father, and you get to do that because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And these people are going to act shocked and say, Lord, what are you talking about? When did, when did we do these things for you? He's going to say, because you did it for the least of my brothers, you did them for me. And then he's going to look at the goats and say, I'm sorry, 
I can't have you with me. You can't come, I'm sorry. Because when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. You actually looked away and you walked on the other side of the street. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't even give me something to drink. When I was in prison, you didn't come see me. And they're going to be shocked and say, Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean we don't get to be with you? What do you mean we didn't do these things for you? I don't remember having that opportunity to do these things for you. He's going to say, because you didn't do it for the least of my brothers. You did not do it for me. If we believed... We would run after that treasure. I didn't get $100 million last week. (laughs) There's not a million dollars out there. There's a far greater gift than that. That'll last an eternity. And we can sit over this and pour over it. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. This word is a beautiful, wonderful thing, but... It means nothing unless you leave your seat and do something about it. I'm not telling you all these things because God woke me up to pat me on the back and say, good job, you're on the right track, you're doing it right. I'm telling you all these things because I feel like I'm the worst at doing this. You might look up what Pastor Kent showed and, you know, wine to water founder and talk about how many people have gotten clean water and think, oh, well, he's living it. And, and that's, it's not the truth. I hide behind that a lot. I know our organization is doing amazing things and I'm a part of this team and I, I get to be a part of that. But God has put a burden just like Pastor Kent said. He's put a burden on me and it's been heavier and heavier the last three or four years and I've tried to ignore it. I tried to look away from it. It's easy for me, actually, to be around people that maybe don't believe like me or don't look like me or talk like me or speak a completely different language from me. For some reason, God's put it in me to be comfortable around those people. The people I'm most uncomfortable with are the people that I, like I grew up around, my own brothers and sisters. I have a hard time being in environments where there's a lot of, of, of people of faith and Christians and churches, I, I steer clear a lot of times of that, and I'm honored that Pastor Kent would even allow me to come here. This is one of the places where I've never had to be anybody but myself. I've never been expected that. But today, in front of all y'all, after just saying that, I have to tell you guys that the reason why I think God woke me up that night to tell me these things was because I was doing an awful job of it. I've been called now. I believe to help support and encourage the body and the church, not run away from it. And that's all I've been doing. And so In front of y'all today, I want to say I'm sorry. In front of my God, I want to apologize for ignoring the call and for running away. Because it was just easier for me to be around people that I was comfortable to be around. He knows my thoughts. 
He knows the desire of my heart. And I haven't had the courage to follow through with those things, and I'm, I'm sorry. And I, again, these words that I'm even saying to you right now, they're, they mean nothing unless I follow it with action. And so I want to ask you, as a church body, I don't, I'm not a part of a church. I don't go to church. This is as much of a church as I've ever had in my entire life, right here with Pastor Kent. And I'm asking you guys to help me as an individual and help hold me accountable so I don't give up on what I know I'm, what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Y'all, thank you for inviting me into your home. anything Lord you can use me if you can use anything Lord you can use me take my hands Lord and my feet touch my heart Lord speak through me if you can use anything Lord you can use me Y'all sing this old song with me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Yeah. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me one more time. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Oh, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Wow.
stirring, isn't it? And you know, Doc wouldn't say this about himself, but you know, Doc, because of his status as a CNN hero, I mean, there were great doors around the world for him to speak and make a lot of money doing it. And, want, and to use it for a good purpose. He's not after money, never has been. But he even's turned his back on that. To say, I'm not going to peddle my story just for money. I got to be about my father's business. And what I love about Doc is he realizes about himself he's the most disqualified. But when you're around him, you recognize that he is the most qualified because of that. And he won't say this about himself either, but I will. Hire me to be your spokesman, Doc, will you? Looking for an expression of that, of this. He's, look, he's, he's yearning for an expression of that. So Wind to Water there in Boone, North Carolina. It's okay to share the, the story of the recent project. They, he's, he let go of all this money from the world. And so he's a bartender by trade. And so he's back bartending to make a living. And uh, so the Lord spoke to him that the roughest darkest, most drug-infested bar in their town came for sale. So Doc and Wanda Water had purchased this dark, drug-infested bar and had spent the last nine months renovating it. The basement is like a monastery with spiritual books and a quiet space so anybody can go down there and seek God. The main floor is a pub where you can eat a meal, have a beer, have a glass of wine, and they use that to serve the community. If you can't afford a meal, they give it to you. They also have one item on the menu called the communion meal. And you can come in that pub and ask for a communion meal, and they will serve you wine, a loaf of bread, and a cheese platter. And one of their uh, employees is trained to serve communion to anybody who wants to, and then on the top is Wine to Water Headquarters, their global outreach ministry there in Boone, North Carolina. <laughs> so the first thing that happened, the people that owned the bar hated him and they wrote graffiti all over it because they thought you're going to turn this into a Christian thing that's going to judge us. Then the Christians hated him because you're in the bar business. And co-water, they'd say, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? But he's just looking for an expression because he's just tired of talk. And how many sit here today would just say the same? I'm just tired of just the talk. The book of James, he mentioned, you said, you tell me your faith, I will show you my faith by my works. And so Doc has challenged us today to be people of action.
not to just sit idly by, continue, but be ecclesia. Be, go be the church. Go find an expression so that the Word of God becomes a manifestation in your life to others. I said it last week. I'll say it again. The lady that just visited was talking about so many churches she visited and nobody was talking about helping anybody outside their own local community. But how many of you today feel challenged to take a step of faith and answer the call of God? But wait a minute. How many of you feel totally disqualified? This is where we got to get it right. Your disqualification is actually what has qualified you for what God wants you to do. If you're waiting to get right before you do anything, you're never going to do anything because you're never going to get right. You'll never be totally right. And read the lineage of the people that was in Jesus' life. Have you ever read them? Staggering. Prostitutes, tax collectors, murderers, depressed people. On and on and on and on. Jesus is not looking for golden vessels. Jesus is not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. Just somebody that would put their life in his hands and say, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, then you can use me. Doc, I want you to come stand by me, will you? Would you let Doc know one more time how much you appreciate him coming and being a part of this thing? I believe Doc has a message to the church. And we're praying that God opens supernatural doors because it says God opens doors that no man can shut and shuts doors that no man can open. And as Doc is humbly repented before us for ignoring the church because of right reasons, understood, because it's not treated him well. How many people, how many Docs are out there? How many Docs are out there that God's hands on? But they just don't feel like they could ever be used in the church because they're, they've just been so rejected and hurt by it and disappointed and disillusioned by it. God's changing that. God's doing something very powerful in the church of Jesus Christ today. And as he preached last time, he's using the disenfranchised, David's mighty men. Don't you love that story? They were all broke depressed and discouraged. How about that for a body of believers in the church? And God used them. I believe we're about to experience Ezekiel 37 where it says, can these bones live? Can these dry bones live? And God's about to breathe on His church a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit and an army's going to be raised up to do the kingdom work. Amen? From a surfer in Panama City Beach to a bartender in Boone, North Carolina, and everybody in between, God's going to use for His glory in this season, for His purpose and His plans. So, Father, we pray for Doc today, and we just thank you for him and Amber and Wine to Water. And Lord, we just pray that you would just continue to move him forward. We, we, we want him to know we've got his back here. We're praying for him. We, we love him. We celebrate him. And, Lord, now with an apostolic mandate we send him from here into your harvest field and lord we say now we send doc henley from an apostolic center with an apostolic anointing 
to go and pierce the dark places with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And from this day forward, he will see a new exponential increased anointing that ever that not only will he preach the message and call people to action, but the sick will be healed and demons will be will will come out of people and the anointing will move in and through his life. We believe you've called him for the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, Lord, we say send him with grace and mercy and peace. May everywhere his feet step, Lord, that land you give him. We pray for ourselves today, Lord, as we take the steps of faith now to take our next steps to be the full expression of whatever action you're calling us into. Lord, we, th- we too repent for our complacency and even our own hurts and wounds and disappointments. And we say, Lord, we choose too to answer the call of God and walk into whatever you're asking us to do in this season. We believe you for it. We thank you for it and praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said, amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand of praise here this morning? I'm going to let Doc, give Doc just a minute. I want him to get to the connection so you can give him a hug and uh, love on him on the way out today. Wow. What nation y'all want to take next around here, right? Lord, have mercy. That's good. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing, and we thank you for all that you've done in our midst today. Lord, we thank you that in this time of teshuvah, of repentance, that we have heard a message today that will literally turn our hearts towards you. Father, we turn towards you now, and we receive everything that you're calling us to do, and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. of ministry. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone get on their knees and repent to the church. (laughs) But it was so moving and so stirring. And maybe you're watching right now and maybe you're just like Doc and so many really honestly of us around here too. Maybe the fact is that uh, maybe you've wanted to follow God with all your heart but you wanted nothing to do with the church. Well, I totally understand where you're coming from and and, uh, I know what it's like to be hurt, to be disillusioned to be let down and disappointed. But you know, the thing about it is, the church needs ministry just like the world. And today God can use you powerfully to bring healing and freedom and and so many other things that people sitting in great churches around the world right now really need. You might have the word in your mouth that sets pastors free, that sets people free all over the world. So answer the call of God and today, Uh, We just want to remind you that we are in 40 days to prosper. We're believing God for great things. Pastor Kent's already laid out some of his thoughts for next Sunday to some of us, and we're fired up about it. It's going to be another dynamic Sunday. But you don't have to just live from Sunday to Sunday. 
you can walk with this every day of the week. And we at Word Alive want to be there to help you along the way. So reach out to us on our Facebook, reach out on Twitter, uh, reach out on Snapchat, reach out on Instagram, reach out on LinkedIn, reach out anywhere you can find us. So come by and see us. You can even call us at 256-831-5280. My extension is 155. So that's 256-831-5280. You want to call me? My extension is 155. We'd be glad to minister to help you, to walk with you. And we'd like to see you kick off some houses of life in the communities that you're in. Maybe you can get some fellowship and get some folks uh, celebrating with us. And uh, we'll tell you about how to do that. It's really easy. So get with us, okay? We just want to bless you today and thank God for what he's doing in your life. And I believe in God today that you're going to give a supernatural week of strength to my friend. That they're going to know healing. That they're going to know freedom. That they're going to be free of bitterness and pain and unforgiveness. And Lord, today I thank you that ministries are being activated. That people are coming into their calling. They're walking into their destiny. And they're walking out in victory. And we bless you that the word is alive in them. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Clear.